Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio on the V-Sporto Network. We're just a couple weeks away from the start of uh, college football's regular season. So I uh, invite our friend uh, Dan Wolken of USA Today Sports to come on and talk about some of the bigger stories that have uh, you know kind of hovered over college football in the offseason. Let's go ahead and welcome him on. Dan, what's going on, man? Oh, man, not much. It's been a long day, a lot going on in the world of college football. I'm trying to make some plans for the next couple weeks. I, uh, I cooked a very excellent dinner tonight, so I was very proud of myself. And uh, now I'm just relaxing, so it's all good. There you go. There you go. So lay it on me. What'd you make? I made pizza, some. Right? Uh, Is it was it pizza? No, 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 no. I know you were giving me crap on Twitter for that. <laughs> I, I made uh, I made some really nice braised chicken thighs uh, that were fantastic. So nice, nice. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did stuffed burgers over the weekend, and I actually had a couple left. I hid them up, man. They were even better, like second or third day, whatever. So yeah, no, nah, it's a. Uh, well, um, I've been on the road a lot this summer. That's the thing. So so like. I need to cook more, and I know your audience probably doesn't care that much about this, but when you're on the road 100-plus days a year, which is kind of my lifestyle, uh, you and you tend not to eat the most healthy stuff, and I enjoy like a really good meal, and I enjoy eating, so when I'm home, and I'm home right now, I try to cook as much as possible. Uh, it's just better all around, and... Uh, I, it's actually kind of one of the nice things about this time of year is is I don't have to do the camp tour this summer. I've kind of got some other stuff going on, so uh, it's nice to cook. I will say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, it's one of those things that I actually like a lot more the, the older I've gotten. I mean, you know, it's kind of sad, but, you know, I'll be uh, watching like Pioneer Woman or whatever on uh, Sunday mornings on uh, Food Network and stuff. But it, it's one of those things. I, I love it, too. So anyway. Uh, so you said you've been doing a lot of traveling. Um, you know, I'm sure you hit the, I, you said you didn't have to do the camp tours, but I'm sure you hit the media days and everything. And, you know, a big story that was, uh, kind of came out right after SEC media days is when you had your fingerprints on. That's the, uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Freeze getting ousted at Ole Miss over some, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, I guess some unsavory, uh, personal issues. Yeah, I guess uh, what, my first question about this is, I mean, Freeze is a guy who uh, I remember you, you saying that, you know, he's a guy you knew from Memphis because you used to work there. Uh, you know, had this kind of had these rumors about him away from the field? I mean, obviously, there's been some further reporting in USA Today about this also. But had they really kind of like dogged him that whole time? Yeah. And I may be a little bit guilty of being so close to it that. I couldn't really see the big picture that a lot of other people saw, but there's no question. I, I got to Memphis in 2006 is when I started working there. And that was really before he started his, his ascension to, to the old Miss job. I don't think anyone at that point would have uh, 
pegged Hugh Freeze as a guy who would have been an SEC coach beating Nick Saban two years in a row. But there was a lot of stuff swirling even even back then. And, you know, sometimes you hear things about people and you don't always give it full credence just because there's this is a business of of jealousy a lot of times. Uh, somebody who rises from the ranks of, of high school coaches to become a, a college coach, or at least to get on that college coach track, sometimes is, is the target of, of jealousy and, and smear campaigns. But uh, certainly I had been aware for a very long time of, of the chatter around things that, that people alleged. And a lot of times those are difficult to verify, they're difficult to prove, um, and so they don't get written about. And obviously he, he became a very successful, very prominent head coach. And and let me also say, we still don't know exactly what happened or what Ole Miss discovered that led to his firing. They have not revealed that. Uh, at some point I, I would guess that some details of that will come out, but uh, – the idea that he wasn't exactly the person that, that he portrayed himself to be is an idea that has been around in the atmosphere for quite a long time. Yeah, and you know, uh, Ross Bjork kind of did a media blitz today. So, I mean, I'm assuming there's going to be more stuff coming out regarding, probably not Hugh Freeze, but regarding their NCAA case this week. Does that does that jive with anything you're hearing? or? Well, it's interesting because... Uh, I have also noticed Ross Bjork doing a lot of media, mostly with the Mississippi local or his uh, the team-specific sites that cover mm-hmm. Ole Miss. Uh, I, I was told that, that he initiated those interviews. It wasn't a bunch of people putting in requests. Like, he wanted to do a media blitz. Uh, that raises my antenna. Why? What's happening? What's going to come out? Supposedly, at some point this week, they're going to release the NCAA's response to their response, which is sort of the final step before they go in front of the Committee on Infractions. I don't know exactly what that's going to say or what else might be out there this week that might be coming, but uh, that that has caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things he said, because I've listened to those interviews, ha- have caught my attention as well. Yeah, yeah, he did uh, one where you know he he definitely dropped a lot of hints that there'd be some stuff coming out this week. Uh, this morning that I heard on SiriusXM with uh, on Greg McElroy's show. So, um, I guess you know one of the interesting things about this story that that uh, Stephen Godfrey brought up actually on his podcast uh, that I was listening to a couple weeks back was that. Freeze was a guy, you know. You mentioned he he kind of was this uh, high school legend coach. He got a job, you know, coaching NAIA. Got a job at uh, Arkansas State, then got the head job at uh, Mississippi, and he did it all kind of in real quick fashion. He didn't spend, you know, any real time kind of working his way up the coaching ranks the way you see a lot of these guys do it, and. Uh, you know, naive isn't exactly the best way to describe it. But the way that you know, kind of Stephen described it, is that he wasn't—I don't know—I guess as well schooled necessarily, and maybe in the way things work in college football, and also maybe in the way that uh, you know, kind of just just the way to get things done without, um, I guess, uh, 
causing a lot of alarm maybe is the best way to put it well yeah you, l- let me let me stop you there um mm-hmm. I think he's got a point, and I've thought a lot about this, and I've thought about maybe writing it at some point about this, if, if there's a way to get to it. Uh, you know, you look at the, the two big scandals of the last couple of years, and, and they're not exactly related. Uh, one, obviously, way more um, important in the real world than the other, but, you know, Baylor and the situation there with Art Bryles and Hugh Freeze, and obviously the Ole Miss scandal is not even on the same yeah, level no no uh, not at all yeah as as Baylor but in both cases it, it is interesting to me that you've got two guys who were high school coaches who very quickly became head coaches and and did not have a background or a foundation of working at a whole bunch of college programs or working for a bunch of successful coaches where they saw the right way to run a program. Is there something to that? Maybe. I, I don't have any evidence of it, but it's interesting to me. And I and I do think it's sort of, you've seen a lot of stories the last several years about, oh, this is so great because high school coaches are, you know, taking over college football or, you know, why not hire high school coaches? Well, one of the reasons why you may not want to hire a high school coach to be a head coach or somebody who doesn't have a, a great background sort of working their way up the ladder in successful college programs is, is maybe something like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that running an organization of that size and of that scope, there is no preparation for that in, in running a high school program, even, even one in Texas where it's a big deal. That, there, there, there may be something to that. I don't know. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where, I mean, you kind of have these uh, concentric circles of people that kind of run, you know, uh, around, uh, kind of on the periphery of your program, too, or even on the periphery of players, recruits, that, you know, kind of navigating that, I think, is something that's, you know, one of those skills that you just don't get as a high school yeah. coach. Yeah, for sure, but but I will also say this. When it comes to Freeze, and, and going back to Godfrey's point about, uh, the way he handled certain certain things, um, I, I don't know that that has anything to do with his background or or his his uh, you know not not knowing or naivete. I think he's just a very vain person. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, the, the, like I, I'll say this: I've dealt with a lot of coaches, and and many who, if I write something or say something it will get to them and, and they want to, and, and, you know, they may or may not want to talk about it, but with freeze, I mean, it was literally every time I would say something, I would get a text message or a direct message, or he would want to talk about stuff. And I'm not the only reporter that happened with, uh, oh, yeah. his image, his image and the way that people talked about him was of utmost importance to him. And I don't know that that has anything to do with naivete or not understanding how the how mm-hmm. the system works. I think that just has to do with there are some people who just can't handle yeah. can't handle being the 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 target of a lot of criticism or can't handle getting the amount of attention you get as a head coach in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's uh, I think that that's fair. So, um, 
I guess one other well here one question I have is isn't Archie Manning the one who uh, got Freeze uh, hired there at Ole Miss like how come uh, you know the 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 uh, SEC media stalwarts aren't like beating down his door to uh, get his thoughts on this? Well, I can I can tell you this: um, if you followed USA Today Sports and our network of, of papers, we we own the paper in Memphis, we own the paper in uh, Jackson. Um, we have as a as a team produced a lot of content on this story. Uh, trust me when I tell you that that Archie Manning has not gone unnoticed. Uh, we have attempted to talk to Archie. I don't think Archie's ready to, to talk publicly yet. And that's, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. That's just one of those things, man, where like, I, I you know, I realize that you've got a, a you know, a, a interest in this story, but it's just one of those things. He's one of those guys that every time something gets brought up about college football, uh, you know, I guess the, uh, you know, kind of whatever special counsel allegedly sits around and, uh, and makes all decisions or represents everything about college football. They're always bringing up Archie Manning's name and here he is in this and he's nowhere to be found. Well, it's interesting, the whole situation, and, and it's part of a larger, I think, narrative about Ole Miss, which is how everybody there just bought into freeze hook line and sinker yeah uh there there was no sort of skepticism about him or what he was doing and and i I made the joke before he got fired but it it was sort of appropriate i mean they might as well just change the name of the school to university of hugh freeze yeah the way they the way they reacted to the whole ncaa case and the way they they defended him up until the very moment that, that he got fired and that is a very dangerous way to to run an athletic program uh and and you know i was having this conversation with somebody today i think one of the biggest challenges for the next coach at Ole miss is going to be the fact that it's hard to replicate sort of the down home good old boy vibe that hugh freeze gave off uh to all of the Ole Miss people, sort of the "I'm one of mm-hmm. I'm one of you" type type guy that that he portrayed himself to be, and also the access. I mean, he gave unbelievable booster access. And you know, one of the podcasts that Ross Bjork did with uh, some of their media this week, I thought the most interesting thing he said was some things will have to change within our booster culture as a result of this NCAA case, and. You know, when people talk about who's going to be next at Ole Miss, just to tie this all together, I think the biggest burden for the next coach there is going to be the fact that the next coach cannot cheat in any way, shape, or form. Can't even go into the gray area because mm-hmm. you're going to be on probation. You're going to be so heavily scrutinized. And you're going to have to be by the book, whoever the next coach is there. And a lot of the boosters who had unbelievable access with freeze are going to have to be kind of put on the sidelines for the next few years. And that will cause a lot of resentment and hurt feelings. And that's why I don't, I would not want to be the next coach there because, because the next coach there is going to have to tell a lot of these boosters to go pound sand when they want to do X, Y, Z out of self-preservation. And those guys are going to, have their feelings hurt and they're going to want to be part of it the way they were under freeze. And that's just not going to, it's just not going to happen. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I kind of felt the same way back when, you know, Baylor was looking for uh, a new coach just because of how horrific everything that went on there was under Art Bryles. The idea that, you know, Baylor football could ever really get back to being what it was under Bryles just – uh, you know the the scrutiny that the program would be under from here on out. I mean, to me, I, and I think Matt Rule is a great coach, and I think he's actually a, a really, really good fit for what they're trying to do there. But I think you're looking at the similar issues there, where as soon as one guy messes up, or you know, I, you know the the type of players they're going to bring in. I mean, they're going to really be under the radar. Well, and that's why they're going to have to hire somebody who comes in like Matt Rule with a very good reputation for doing things the right way. I mean, there's a name that I came up with for Ole Miss, and I have not shared this publicly, but uh, the name that I would, the guy that I would hire at Ole Miss personally is, is Mike Bloomgren from Stanford. This is a guy who, you know, A, is is an offensive coordinator, which is a positive, but he, he's, you know, he went to Florida State. He's from Tallahassee. He's got sort of an Alabama background. Mm-hmm. He worked there a little bit. So a guy that sort of is an Alabama-Florida State resume but has the bona fides of a place like Stanford, to me, that's what Ole Miss needs. Because very much like Baylor, you hire Matt Rule and sort of the, the college football Illuminati, you know, all, which I guess I'm a part of sort of, all praise the hire because mm-hmm. we know we know Matt Rule and we sort of have have a good history with him and feel like we know what he's about. Sort of the same thing will need to apply to this old Miss hire. Yeah, and I think that's one of the people who who they should look at. Uh, like they can't hire they can't hire Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know I know people have brought that up. Like it's, that can't happen. So. Um, that and that and uh, Lane Kiffin's brother it was all over these uh, NCAA yeah. violations too. Well, right. I mean, and even, right, right, exactly. But even if that wasn't the case, yeah, like, no, I'm with you. You know, and 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 they can't even hire Blake Anderson. And I think Blake Anderson's a really good coach who is going to get a Power Five job sooner rather than later. But like, they can't hire a, a blonde-haired, Bible-thumping yeah. coach from Arkansas State. Like, they can't do that. Well, because here's the, here, here's the optics one. just aren't good. Here's one. What about Charlie Strong? Yeah, that name's been brought up. Um, I mean, this is so this is so like just way ahead of everything, given that they still got the NCAA to deal with and everything. But I mean, that's just an interesting one to me. Sure. No, I mean Charlie. Uh, obviously, will 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 it'll be interesting to see what his future is because he inherits a team at South Florida that is is kind of ready to go. Uh, which is a good thing, but it's also a lot of pressure. I mean, what if they go, you know, yeah. eight and four? Yeah. You know, so there, there's a little bit of that, too. Um, and there's a lot of people who people are going to bring up for that job. Scott Satterfield mm-hmm. uh, is a name that, that you hear. Uh, Frank Wilson at San Antonio is a name that you hear. But clearly, at this point, it's just speculation. It's media talk. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no real list at this point, so uh, we're all kind of just speculating. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting job, and it, it's tough if you're Ross Bjork, the AD, because you know, right now you're the only job open. But 
by November, there's going to be other jobs open. And by December, you know, you may, you may go from the best job to the fifth best job that's available. Yeah. And, and that changes your pool of candidates. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, in a kind of uh, hackneyed uh, segue here, the guy that Charlie Strong uh, is being replaced by at Texas, Tom Herman, is is kind of funny. He he really he got the job there at Texas, and I actually thought it was one of the interesting things about uh, the early days there for him was that he was a, things were a lot more quiet there than I expected. Uh, obviously, things have picked up more now that the season goes has gone on. I guess just general impressions of the first what eight months of the Tom Herman era at Texas so far. Well, I mean, it's about what I expected. Uh, I mean, I still, I still get a kick out of the urine chart. I think <laughs> yeah. that's a, like it was not just like okay, you know, we want people to be hydrated, and you know, y- you want to have your urine clear as possible it's you know if it's not you're a bad person <laughs> yeah, yeah you know you're a bad guy i mean i that's so tom herman it's not even funny and look i, I think tom is is obviously a talented coach uh he's a smart guy uh he wears people out and i think that's going to be the biggest test for him at texas is does he does he age well and like I think it's very possible Texas will be a lot better this year than than some people think, um, but n- over the long haul, how does that how does that work? I mean, I know there there were people at Texas from or I mean at Houston, sorry, from what I understand, who you know by the time he left were were kind of just glad to see him go, um, because you know there there are certain types of people in this business who just they the longer you're around them or the more you're around them they 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 grate on you you know and i think he's one of those types of people and you you cannot do an urban meyer impersonation at texas if you're not getting urban meyer results and that'll be the biggest challenge that he faces in the first couple years he's there i think there might be a, a a good spike in production but you know, it's that second year, that third year. Do people still buy it? Buy it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, he's such a he's such an interesting one to me because he's one of the guys that I think clearly kind of uh, influences the media really well, or or kind of uh, plays the media, particularly like on a national scale, uh, fairly well. And he's also got a pretty accommodating. Um, kind of a group of the of team sites, like you mentioned, kind of like with Ole Miss. He's got a fairly accommodating group there, also at Texas to kind of uh, you know use to his advantage. Um, which is, I mean, this is all going to sound like me saying he's not a good coach. He's a he's a very good coach from what I've seen. But it, it's kind of one of those things too, though, where it seems like he's taking advantage of that to, in a certain sense, really kind of build up his uh, his legend or his acumen. Uh, maybe beyond what uh, he deserves, you know, it, it maybe what be, is, you know, credible to this point. Well, I think you have to look at last year at Houston. <laughs> you know, they, they, they lose to Navy in that game a few days before, you know, one of his, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what they call it. Is it the He-Man drill or something like that where 
you know, guys just sort of wrestle each other. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, and, and, and one of his best receivers got hurt, and they end up losing that game. That that kind of stuff doesn't fly at Texas. Uh, you know, he, he got beat badly at the end of the season by Memphis. Was it that he checked out and his team knew that and they didn't play well because of it? Or was it the fact that he gets his teams really high for the big games, but you can only do that so many times a season? That's a big question, I think, for him as a head coach. You know, I think I think there is something to that. You get way, way, way up to play in Oklahoma or Louisville, but you know, you're the coach at Houston. You can't get ready to play an SMU or a Memphis. Uh, he's going to have to address that as a coach of Texas because you, you don't want to get your guys so high a couple times a year that that they can't replicate that. You know, six, seven weeks in a row. You you got to be more even keel, and I, I think moderating that approach will be crucial to his long-term success at a, at a blue blood program. And I, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a talent. I think there's a good chance he will be successful there, but I don't think he's a sure thing in the way that let's just say urban was a sure thing when he went to Florida. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, I mean, the uh, other story there in the Big 12 is obviously uh, and closer to our listeners' hearts would be uh, Lincoln Riley's ascension there in Norman. Um, have you had a chance to talk with uh, Riley at all? I mean, do you have any thoughts on him? Well, I, I've talked to him uh, previously, not not since the, the, the transition mm-hmm. to him becoming a head coach. Uh, but, look, I think that – the way this went down obviously was surprising. Uh, he makes a lot of sense in terms of ascending to, to the head coaching position. Uh, clearly Stoops thought a lot of him. Castiglione thought a lot of him, but there will be a learning curve when you get into the position of head coach where you have to be responsible for every aspect of the program. There is a learning curve he is both blessed and cursed by the fact that he inherits a very good team. On one hand, I think it helps in terms of momentum that you've got Baker Mayfield and you've got a lot of talent and and you should be really good right off the bat. Uh, That, that will help you maintain the brand. And I think that's the number one thing that, that he's got to do over this, over the next say three years is maintain the Oklahoma brand as a national power uh, in, in recruiting. But on the other hand, every mistake he makes or every loss that they take will be magnified. And the blame will largely shift to him. And that's a difficult and perilous situation for a young head coach. So, um, you know, look, the last 18 years with Bob's Hoops, I, I don't think that the success of the last 18 years will be exceeded in the next 18 i think that's that's too high a bar for for anybody but lincoln riley's a talented guy i've always enjoyed interacting with him i think he has a lot of the attributes that that you want to see in a in a head coach but this is a pretty big stage to to test that out and uh we'll just have to see like i i don't know and 
you know, I think that's the that's the hardest thing is to project a guy who's never been a head coach, what they're going to be like when they finally get into that position, and you have absolutely no room to make mistakes that that people don't see, and that's that's a hard thing. But that's becoming more common in college football now, where you know you just don't go to the MAC anymore mm-hmm. for four years to make mistakes and and learn how to be a head coach because you make $500,000 in the Mac and you make a million as offensive coordinator of a program like Oklahoma. So you don't leave. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it is now. And so you kind of got to roll with it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, you know, people ask me about, about what I think so far. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, what am I, how do I, I haven't seen him coach a game. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so, but I guess one question I have is I know you're pretty, you're kind of, you're pretty plugged in, in, in the scene, you know, with, with, uh, you know, coaches, agents, what have you. I mean, what was the, what was the word on Riley maybe say like at the end of last season, like before any of this came up, like, I mean, was he seen as, as like a, a, you know, a hot commodity? Was he, was he, were people intrigued by him? Oh, sure. Like a lot of people would have wanted to hire a Lincoln Riley, but you know, not necessarily the, you know, the top 10 programs, yeah, but, yeah. but sure. Like any, any job in, in, you know, the American or sort of lower level power five clearly would have wanted Lincoln Riley. But if you're him, he made obviously the right move not to take any of those jobs or even to really uh, be interested in those jobs. I think he got to a point last season where, he was only going to listen to good power five jobs. And those are hard to get. And you have to sort of have the right fit and the right timing and, and all that. He, he, I'm, I'm quite sure he talked to some people, but you know, you got Baker Mayfield who's coming back. Like it was a fairly obvious move for him to come back to Oklahoma for one more year. You're going to have a great offense. And then in 2018, or the 2017-2018 market, then you make your move. Then you go to whatever good Power 5 job is available. It just so happened that the Oklahoma situation played out the way it did. But he even last year, he made the right move to stay. But, yeah, a lot of people would have hired him, and he could have gotten a good job. It just... The, the the way that the thing aligned, like it would it was to me fairly obvious, unless you were gonna get LSU or something like that, go back to Oklahoma and then see where you land in December twenty seventeen, January twenty eighteen. So, you know, there could be a lot of uh good jobs opening up, I think, at the end of this season. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys on the hot seat. It's it's kind of silly to try to project it right now, but I mean, everybody knows the names that are out there: the Texas A and M's or UCLA's or Notre Dame's. Um, give us a coach that's out there who you think, you know, might be on the move that isn't somebody that gets brought up a lot. Mark D'Antonio. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a lot of chatter out in the atmosphere about whether this is going to be his last year. Um, whether that's him stepping aside, whether that's him retiring, whether that's him taking another job. I hear a lot out there about him 
stepping away from Michigan State. They were bad last year, three and nine. Man. There's not a lot of optimism that they're going to be good this year. They've had off-field issues. Uh, not that they've handled it the wrong way or that he's handled it the wrong way, but you know, you you've kind of reached the peak there. I mean, they got mm-hmm. in the playoff. They got in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, this thing is they were three and nine last year, but the year before that, they were in the playoff. I mean, you know, it's right. it's crazy. Like they, they like he squeezed every bit of juice out of that program that he could possibly squeeze. And now you've got Penn State on on mm-hmm. you know going up. You've got Michigan going up. You've got Ohio State kind of being who they are. You know, even Maryland's recruiting well. Like the time for Michigan State may have passed. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know that he's going to stick around for multiple years of you know doing what they did last year. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that that that's. There's there's a lot of chatter out there that that this may be his last season there. Interesting. How about a guy maybe in the lower level that uh, is maybe a little under the radar right now, but uh, might be moving up? Well, it's a it's it's a great question. You know, part of the problem with the mid major ranks is they've been really picked over. Yeah, yeah, big time. And and the last you know the last few years, a lot of those guys have gotten good jobs. Uh, I. I'll tell you, just I out of the Sun Belt, I really like Scott Satterfield. Yeah, his name comes up a lot. You know, I I, I know a couple guys on his staff, and uh, he he is an elite play caller, and he's a guy who deserves a chance to to coach at, at a higher level. You know, I don't know whether that's going to be Power Five or maybe maybe the American, but uh, I, I don't think he's going to be long for for that job. Frank Wilson at San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy a lot of people believe in, and I do too. I mean, he's got SEC experience, heck of a recruiter. Uh, he, he, you know, Tennessee, Ole Miss, A and M. He could be in play for all three, potentially. Uh, you know, and then the Americans sort of become the conference that has been the cradle of of coaches. I mean, that's the league that the Power Five is is hiring out of you know you've got scott frost who uh did a good job his first year at central florida and i think they'll take a step forward this year he will be on lists uh i think that uh philip montgomery at tulsa you know if texas tech for instance made a move i think that would be a no-brainer for texas tech tire philip montgomery chad morris at smu I think for any SEC or ACC job, he's an obvious fit. Uh, and, you know, then Mike Norvell at Memphis, uh, a guy who came in there the first year and, and did a good job. I think they're going to be really good this year. He's sort of a rising star, offensively, really talented coach, fits a lot of places. So, yeah, I think th- that would sort of be my list of, of mm-hmm. head coaches at the lower levels who have a chance to move up. But, it's it's kind of crazy just how much that group has been picked over. Yeah, yeah, a lot of moves been made there. That's for sure. Um, well, so where are you going to be uh, opening week? I'm assuming you're going to be staying home for uh, FSU Alabama, or yeah, for for a lot of people who don't know, I I live in Atlanta and uh, Florida State Alabama week one here is is a great opening game. Uh, the new stadium is going to be unbelievable. Uh, it's 
if you have a chance to come to Atlanta to go see a game in the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I, I would highly recommend doing that because this place is going to make Jerry World look like uh, you know third world country. No kidding, just, really, because I mean, Jerry the, World is something. Jerry World's nice. I, I look, Jerry World's good, but but this stadium in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, is is going to be ridiculous, and. It's going to be cool because you've got the the national championship game there yeah. as well uh, to conclude this season. So so excited about that. Um, yeah, so that's where I'll be week one, and you got Georgia Tech and Tennessee uh, on on Monday night. So two good games. One of the reasons why I live in Atlanta, you get you get a couple good uh, home games. So oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I, I I've got. Uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to people at Florida State. I've been talking to people at Alabama. I th- it's it's interesting because I think Florida State is more confident about their team at this point. Now, some of that just may be a little bit of a defense mechanism for Alabama because they don't have the same defense they had mm-hmm. last year. But uh, the Florida State folks are, are, are pretty confident about, about where they sit going into the season. You know, I, I kind of look at it like picking against Saban – Especially yeah. in openers is is kind of a oh, it's kind of a bad move. Like his record in openers is ridiculous. Oh yeah, but uh, you know this Florida State team is is quite interesting as well. I, I just I'm a little worried about their offensive line. You know that that's not been a good group the last couple of years, but defensively they're going to be elite. Yeah. So that's going to be I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm I love the fact that that we get a game like that and then Atlanta open the season. So. Uh, Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, I mean, I, I well, I also, I really I, like uh, Florida State's quarterback too, man. He is tough, and uh, you know, I mean, I mean, he, last year was his first year, but he made a lot of not nice throws. Uh, you know, I mean, he had to be tough behind that offensive line, but they'll give Alabama some problems just given all the changeover there in the front seven uh, in Tuscaloosa. Well, there's a lot built into this game. I mean, how does Brian Dable? Yeah, new offensive coordinator at Alabama. What what does he bring to the table? Um, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts coming back year two. He's got to be better throwing the ball. Yes. You know, I know that a lot of the uh, college football Twitter is got this fascination with Bo Scarborough and basically thinks that if Alabama gives the ball to Bo Scarborough fifty times a game, that they would never lose. But Bo Scarborough is always hurt. Yeah. And, so you can't give the ball to him fifty times a game. It just that that doesn't that doesn't work. So uh, they were going to have to find some answers offensively. Florida State, their offensive line's not been very good, so they need to find some answers there. Both teams are really good coming into the season, but nobody is above reproach, and that, and that's why it's it's been really interesting to me in the preseason, especially since the poll came out. I've been on a bunch of radio shows, and people have like, people are, are asking me sort of, well, Clemson, how are they number five? Aren't they overrated? I'm like, if anything, Clemson is underrated. Okay. Clemson, Clemson's really good on the offensive line and the defensive line, and given their track record of finding skill players and recruiting recruiting quarterbacks and developing wide receivers, if they're good on both lines of scrimmage, like, why would you have them? any lower than where they are in fact in my opinion they should be higher uh see i'm fading clemson this year so (laughs) that's funny but uh anyway 
Well, well, cool, man. Well, uh, you know, uh, have fun. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, seasons always go so fast, man. But uh, when you're traveling like that, I'm sure that uh, it probably goes even faster. Well, listen, uh, it's it's a long off season. It's a short season. Uh, I, I will not be eating any pizza this year. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, you brought it up on Twitter. So let me just say, if if I'm going to you know, consume the calories of, of bread and cheese. I want something that tastes better than pizza. Pizza is not that interesting what, to me. What tastes better than pizza? Everything. Oh, everything. Man, I, I, man, this is just, man, I don't know. I, I honestly, I honestly, I think I could eat pizza like every meal. I, it's just honestly. bread and cheese. That's all it is. I know, I know, but there's just something about that combo. You know, it's like chocolate and peanut butter or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, all right, man. Well, hey, uh, Dan, as always, man, I really appreciate it. Uh, really informative, and uh, good luck getting uh, geared up uh, for the rest of the season here. No no problem, Alan. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it as, as always. This is my sixth year for USA Today, six seasons. So, wow, uh, really? Time flies. Man, yeah, that has been well. If uh, if I'm in Atlanta, we'll get together and uh, you can take me somewhere for something other than pizza. How does that sound? Well, Boca Lupo, that was what we did last. Yes, time. That's, yes, that's a good spot. That was fantastic. Absolutely. But there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of new places since then that that have opened. So uh, I, I'm all all about the culinary scene. So all right, all right, time. man. Sounds good, buddy. Sounds good. Well, thanks again to our guest, Dan Wolken of USA Today Sports. Make sure to check him out. Uh, easily one of the best college football writers out there and college basketball, too. So uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter. Check out all his work at USA Today Sports. And thank you all for joining us, too. For the Blatant Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.